0: So you named your company after your daughter. Do you just have one child? No, I have two. So isn't this a problem? Do you need to start another company to keep it even?
1: Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) (laughs) So at home, the joke is always, daddy, what about me? And my wife will say, don't worry, you're going to be a medical doctor. And you are going to be working at Zuri Health since Zuri wants to be a lawyer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. I mean, both of them clearly have a lot to live up to now. (laughs) Okay. We'll talk business on this one, though. How big is the market Zuri Health is going after? How do you size it?
1: We can look at it from two angles. I see over half a billion people in the continent have access to mobile phones. That's a market. Now, if I say half a billion people on the continent, I'm also saying that if we use an apple of $10 spent on health, just a very low apple that's average revenue per user, you are looking at a massive market in terms of billions of dollars. You also need to look at it from the second angle, which is Africa bears the greatest disease burden in the world. We need to look at the fact that more than 51% of the population live, the, live on less than a dollar a day. And access to healthcare, which for us at Zuri Health would consider a fundamental human right. And access to healthcare is essential and is important. And that the market is huge for us to be able to make an impact in getting people to get information about their healthcare, access to basic first level medical consultation and leveraging technology or leveraging other things, build technology to deliver emergency medical services. So it's two ways. There's the opportunity for money to be made, but there is also an opportunity for us to have major impact in ensuring that people have access to basic healthcare.
0: And is this a winner-takes-all situation or do you see yourself as one of several or many And uh, what share of that market do you expect to capture over time?
1: Not one single player will fix the challenges around healthcare in Africa or in the world. Zuri Health wants to be one of the major players fixing healthcare with our unique value proposition, our unique commercial model, our unique engagement model, which we can say that we're the only ones doing currently We want to be market leaders. But Zuri Health, the way we've built the business, Zuri Health will will thrive on growth by partnerships. So we want to be the Google of healthcare in Africa. We want other healthcare companies to plug in, health tech companies to plug into what we're doing on Zuri Health. This is the plan. So we intend to be a market leader. We intend Mm -hmm. to be a unicorn company. We intend to go public in the next five to six years. That's the dream. It's important to also point out that in doing this, we do not see ourselves as the only, you know, champion in the area, according to FACDVIA. No, we're not the only ones doing it. There are a lot of exciting health tech companies coming out there. We want to collaborate with each and every one of them. We want to build an ecosystem because we're trying to solve one particular problem. And this is a problem, like I said, not one player will solve. The government alone can fix it. So everybody needs to come together and try to fix the problem. And which is what we're saying, that our goal is to democratize access to healthcare in Africa.
0: So you set up the next question very nicely um, by referencing other players, referencing an ecosystem you're looking to engage with. Unpack this unique value proposition that you've alluded to. What's distinctive about what you're trying to do and why is no one else trying to do the same thing, at least as far as you're concerned?
1: A lot of health tech companies in Africa are building you the model solutions. Mm-hmm. So what do I mean, you model solutions? They're focused on tracking, dealing with one particular thing, which is a good model. So somebody can say, I'm dealing with medications. I want to be an Uber for pharmacies. That's fantastic. You're focused on. Delivering medications to homes and someone else can say, I'm trying to work on tests. I want to be a player who deals with remote testing. Somebody else could say, I want to be the, the online directory for specialists and doctors. You see, these are unimodal solutions. The question I always ask, how many healthcare apps are you going to have on your phone to deal with your healthcare needs? So the idea is that you will want a convergence. When you look at the cable industry, you look at multiple channels, there's a convergence coming. Everybody will be on one box so that if I can switch from Netflix, I can go to Hulu, I can go to uh, Paramount, I can go to just on one box, right? I don't need to have multiple boxes to be able to deal with my needs. Same thing with fintech. There's a convergence happening in fintech. And companies like Revolts are trying to say, listen, we can do this and M-Pesa is doing it. Literally, when you come to Kenya and look at MPESA, you will see that MPESA encompasses most, almost all your financial needs on one app. That convenience is what we're trying to sell. Zuri Health wants you to start your healthcare journey on the platform and end it on the platform. In addition, we also understand that the, the focus is that we're not trying to build an app. You see, there is a misconception of what I see in tech, that people want to build apps. We want to solve problems. We want to provide solutions to problems. And in providing solutions to problems, having an app is one of the channels of accessibility. But Zuri Health is deepening inclusion By ensuring that we understand that 65% of mobile phone users do not have access to the internet or do not have smartphones. So, what are we doing? We're also giving them an option to be able to get first level medical consultation. That's also, we are a for profit social enterprise company focused on democratizing access to healthcare by deepening inclusion. Remember, a lot of people are doing, and they're doing well, building unimodal solutions. Fantastic. So what it means is that Zuri Health will onboard a health tech company that is selling insurance onto Zuri Health while we're aggregating customers and uh, leveraging on the insurance model. Zuri Health will onboard a pharmacy, a digital pharmacy company that sells medications and delivers, and we've aggregated the customer base. The focus is to be able to aggregate a good customer base who, when they think of their healthcare needs, they think of Zuri Health.
0: So it's a super platform play, And so my sense just scanning the market is most founders in the space are approaching their practice as a form of walled garden practice to sort of consolidate and perhaps not entirely open to the level of collaboration you're describing. Would that be a fair assessment or is that a misconception based on my not being part of the scene?
1: I think it's both. I think you will see people who don't want to collaborate. They want to build. Collaboration is very essential to the survival of the space. That's a fact.
0: Are you seeing that embodied in what you're seeing, or is that something you hope to
1: catalyze, as Zuri? It's part of what I'm seeing. It's because, you know, I'll give you a story. There's a beautiful company in Nigeria called Health Tracker. and Health Tracker is focused on doing home tests. Nice company, fantastic female founder, great person. And Zuri Health is trying to launch into Nigeria and with aggregated customers. And there's no need for me to start going to build out multiple partnerships with labs when I can plug in with a player who is trusted to be able to do my last mile delivery. I believe that at the point she was doing her rollout plan, she was thinking that she's going to come into Kenya and do... No. But what is happening, she's feeding her request into Kenya through me, the same way I'm feeding the request for testing to Nigeria through her. You see, what's happening is collaboration. Everybody is getting part of the cake. It is essential because you can't be good at everything. You simply don't have the funding to be everywhere. Even if you raised $200 million, you don't have the talent, the funding, the market knowledge, the ability to scale, the speed, to be able to be everywhere. You can't. So collaboration is extremely important. When you look at telco and the telco industry, there is collaborations, right? The networks are collaborating. They're terminating calls. They're, they're roaming. They're doing roaming partnerships. It is essential. You have to build an infrastructure for collaboration. And the collaboration is not just even between health tech companies. It is the collaboration between traditional healthcare facilities like hospitals and labs. It's a collaboration between health tech companies and regulators and government in terms of policies. When you look at a continent, you will see that we suffer from two things, over-regulation or under-regulation. Okay? So the idea is that as stakeholders, the collaboration and engagement needs to be continuous so that we're building a proper ecosystem. We're integrating, we're working together on what works. At the end of the day, everybody is looking towards one goal, providing better access to healthcare. So it is inevitable. Whether people have seen it or not, I know it is inevitable. At the end of the day, we must all collaborate. It is fact. And so why
0: is now the right time to be in this market? I mean. COVID-19 notwithstanding, what else would you point to as your reason for founding in this space now?
1: COVID has exposed the underbelly of African healthcare. At the height of the the spike in, in, in developed countries where you're having 3,000 deaths every day, 4,000 deaths, in New York, and they were saying they had thousands of ventilators. I don't think they had up to 20 ventilators in the whole of the Republic of Nigeria. So the question is, if what happened in Europe and America happened in Africa, what would have been the response? It would have been a catastrophic event because the little health facilities we wouldn't have been able to manage. So it economically, but when you look at the number of deaths as compared to what you were seeing in Europe and America. You will just understand that it wasn't just the fact that they were countries with specialized, more budget and better healthcare facilities. And when we looked at the challenges in Africa, the challenge is the fact that most people do not have access to first-level medical consultation, information about your healthcare. So COVID put back the fear in us, but I want to take charge of my health. I want to begin to know about my health. It is more likely that with underlying health conditions that I do not know of, that if something major happened, I could be at risk. So COVID validated the business case for having telemedicine. Because look at it this way. You have surplus of doctors in the cities in Nairobi. But when you go to the rural areas, where over 70% of the population live, doctors are not there. People won't go there. The reason is because there is no infrastructure. There is, in some cases, insecurity. Doctors will rather be unemployed in Nairobi and sell bedsheets or drive a taxi or become a musician or become an actor than go to far ends of Isiolu to practice medicine. Even if... Without corruption and all the African governments decide to put 100% of their budget, for the next 10 years, you won't still be able to build out the infrastructure that we need to develop and access healthcare. You can't. There is brain drain. Nigeria is bleeding over 2,000 doctors every other year. When you go to the NHS in London, sometimes you think you're in Lagos. People are leaving. So the question is... The few doctors remaining will not be able to take care of the number of patients. Kenya has a doctor-patient ratio of one doctor to 16,000 people. How can we deal with this?
0: Where do you start plugging that gap is
1: my question. The first Zuri Health solution is try attempting to address some of these issues. First of all, the issue of accessibility and the issue of distribution. So the fact that I have doctors in Nairobi, those doctors in Nairobi are able to respond to patients who are in far away issue or RG who have a mobile phone. Because when you look at Kenya, Kenya has a mobile penetration rate of 109%. So I can confidently say that every household in Kenya has a mobile phone. Telecommunications company has spent billions of dollars building infrastructure, connecting the entire continent with access to communicate. So even if the communication is not 5G, even if it's 2G, you're able to send a basic text message. So in each household, despite where you are, Zuri Health gives you access for something as cheap as 0.05 cents to send a text message to a qualified doctor in the nearest town to be able to get first-level medical consultation. So think of our solution as a WebMD on text. So this is the first layer, but we also want to talk about disrupting pricing and the cost. From what we've seen, convenience is important, but most important is affordability. So what is affordability? Zuri Health does wellness packages, asks you to be able to book test and will come and pick your sample. What we've found out is that it is 35% cheaper for me to go to your house and get your samples and get your result than you walking into a hospital. Because a hospital will factor in the cost of electricity, it will factor in the cost of, you know, the accommodation, a whole bunch of things, cost of running hospitals are included in that bill. So it is cheaper because we go to the same hospitals and negotiate cheaper rates and we're able to even put a markup on those cheaper rates and cross-sell it to people who are able to buy it at 35% cheaper than they would bought it if they walked into the hospital. But there's also saving a lot of time because the average hospital journey will cost you almost 48 hours waking up going to the hospital you've spent money spending hours to see a doctor who is going to ask you to do some tests then you leave there and go and queue at the nearest test center and wait for a couple of hours to be able to do a test and they'll tell you that your result will be ready tomorrow and you come the next day and pick up your results and you go back and sit down and wait for the doctor And after you're able to see the doctor and the doctor now gives you prescription, then you have to walk to the pharmacy and and buy medication. You've lost 48 hours. And so IQ, how do you distill that service? With the Zuri Health platform, you're able to book an online consultation with a doctor. He's able to triage you and determine if you need to come to the hospital or not. He's able to give you a test request that you're able to now, with your mobile in the same app, book those tests and have somebody come to the house and pick up your samples and have the results sent to you then you're still able to use those results and send to the doctor and there the doctor is able to look at the results and be able to determine the next cost of treatment or recommend medication where he's able to send you an e-prescription and with that prescription you're able to buy your medication on the app and have it delivered to you at home which means i can be at work today and go through my medical without leaving my office or I can be on bed rest, or I can be, they be sitting my daughter and be able to go through my healthcare needs without having to leave home. Zuri Health provides opportunity for specialists who are in the very few specialists. So, we'll talk about how many brain surgeons are there in Nairobi, maybe 20. However, I need a consult in Kakamega. I have a problem in Kakamega and I need a brain surgeon. Do I have to travel all the way from Kakamega to Nairobi six hours on the road? Or do I have to book an online appointment, send my results to the, to the brain surgeon who advises me on what to do next and is able to know about my case before I get to Nairobi, if I really need to get to Nairobi? So I'm trying
0: to understand basically how you you think of your services you know, as segmented offers, as it were, right? So I'm getting telemedicine, I'm getting remote testing, What are the other sort of things that this platform currently delivers on and over time will look to deliver on?
1: Okay, so we have remote testing, we have pharmacy, we're able to buy medications and have it delivered to you. We have doctor on duty, which is a feature that allows you to book a doctor and a doctor will come to your location for remote care. And the next product we're building out is our BMPL buy now, pay later, which is for an insurtech product that allows us to lend people money and deduct it over a period of time from their airtime so they can afford to pay for their insurance and get better coverage.
0: Wow. So that's like a fintech play.
1: Yeah. So there's a fintech play coming on what we're doing as we are expanding and growing here.
0: Give me a sense of who your stakeholders are. I can see why doctors might be excited for a platform like this. I think you've made a great case for why everyday Africans who are not being served well by the infrastructure at their disposal would see this well. How do you, again, think about or segment the stakeholders this platform serves?
1: I'll look at it in three ways. One is healthcare is for all. So we have people who can afford healthcare, have great insurance, they want convenience, and we provide convenience. Then we have the customer who is uninsured, and you know needs access to healthcare. We're able to provide an affordable access to healthcare, leveraging on technologies that currently exists. So yes, we have our upper HL of the market, and we have the lower end. Like again, we said it's a universal human right, so everybody is potentially a real customer.
0: What about the healthcare providers? Because it sounds kind of two faced marketplace to me.
1: We're leveraging on them. Remember, I don't need to go build a pharmacy or build a hospital or build a lab. I need to partner with existing pharmacies, hospitals, and labs to be able to deliver my product promise. So again, they're my customers or they're my partners.
0: And what's the chicken or the egg in this instance? Is it the healthcare providers or is it the end user of this platform? What have you found has been most important to onboard? Oh, and, and, and perhaps in which order?
1: I think it's the partners because... The partners, the labs, the telco partners, the hospitals and the doctors is what creates a market for you. So they are the most important people to onboard at first because once you have them, then you can face and start acquiring customers based on what you're able to offer. So I would say they are the first leg of our integration.
0: You did a very colorful and passionate description of who your customer is. And I I literally had a vision of someone in remote Kenya Um, using the app on their phone. How do you acquire that person? And perhaps is that the typical archetype of, uh, you know, user archetype for your platform or is it more broad than that?
1: That's why the telcos are important because with telcos, you're able to reach a wider range at a very lower, low CAC. So my cost of acquisition is very low because the telcos are able to communicate to their sub-base and ask them to use the service. So I don't have to be in multiple regions. I have to be in one place, providing the service, leveraging with an infrastructure or rails that telcos have built and maybe back. So distribution. So your question is about distribution. How do I ensure that more people know about the distributed services? Telco is our play.
0: Right. And how do they typically hear about you for the first time? Is it an SMS or a message they might receive?
1: Yes. Either by SMS they receive by the ads they're going to see, we're on radio, we're on TV, digital campaign. So so the idea is that every channel available tells you what we're doing in Zuri Health, but we'll personalize messages and send to you and ask you to be able to opt in and join the service.
0: And is the acquisition of your partners a little more hands-on than that? Um, or are you finding that those channels work to onboard healthcare providers, doctors to your network, etc.?
1: Our strategy for body It's pretty simple. It's value. At, at the end of the day, at the core of this, is relationship and value proposition. Building a great relationship to the ecosystem, providing strong value proposition. The hospitals or the labs or the pharmacies need to do more sales. If I'm bringing more business, then why not? It's very simple.
0: And so if a doctor is listening to this right now, say in Zimbabwe or here in South Africa, how would you be bringing me on board or letting me know that, you know, Zuri Health is a place where I should be sort of tapping into the new way of things? And how would you onboard me?
1: There's a general rule of onboarding for each country for doctors. So we reach out to the regulator and get authority to do this. Then we begin to market to doctors Our pitch is simple. You get more customers. You as a doctor, by regulation, are not allowed to advertise your services. We do the advertising for you, for people to see you get visibility. We've grown a marketplace, we have customers, so your chances of discovery is higher for you. We also talk to doctors who do not have the resources to build brick and mortar hospitals, but they want to get into private practice. Zuri Health gives you that virtual feeling or that virtual clinic. And finally, additional income for those who work, the opportunity to use inventory, which is time, excess time that you have to be able to earn an extra living.
0: And what's the pitch to healthcare institutions that you partner with? So you mentioned pharmacies, um, I think you touched on hospitals, certainly the labs that, that do the tests and stuff. So what's the Zuri pitch to them?
1: to dip in your business, get more business. Hospitals want to be able to grow the revenues of their pharmacies and labs. They want people who are not necessarily coming to that hospital to be able to use, because they've built labs, they have capacity for labs and pharmacy. So onboarding them gives them the opportunity to have clients who are going to use it. Similarly with other independent labs and pharmacy, it's about expanding growth. It's like we're the Uber for healthcare. So, so so, think of it like you sell medication, you list on Zuri Health. You have capacity for labs, you list it on Zuri Health. that That's who we are, we're the Airbnb for healthcare. We're aggregating healthcare companies or partners into one platform that creates an opportunity for increased monetization for them.
0: How many customers do you have on, let's call it the end user side of things?
1: We have maybe over 400,000 SMS subscribers and we've just launched in Kenya. Those are people who subscribe by text. Direct users on the test and pharmacies will probably have about 2,000 identified people who are unique customers who use those services. So we're growing.
0: And what's it costing you currently to acquire new customers? And is that cost going
1: up or down? With our partnerships and the people we're working with, our cost of acquisition is really cheaper than the average market market rates. I would say our cost for acquisition is stable. And the reason is that we have looked at most markets and anticipated what the market shifts would be in terms of cost of acquisition. So each market will have a different strategy on how we want to acquire customers so that we can maintain the benchmark of what our CAC will be.
0: How are you sourcing information to make decisions as a founder and how are you benchmarking?
1: I research a lot. I engage with founders. I, I, I use myself for... as a guinea pig. I say, how does this solve my problem? Mm. I look at it from a problem-solving point of view. And if I'm able to solve problems, I'm able to get people to use it. Gotcha. Because if the problem is big enough and more people have the same problem, it's easier to convince them to use my services. And what
0: has surprised you the most about user behavior? Talk about the everyday African using your platform right now. Has there been anything surprising about what people actually want and need from this platform and how they actually use it?
1: I think the biggest thing is seeing how important healthcare is to people and how what their fears are, how expensive it could be, and how you know knowledge is important. So consumer education is a very key component of what we're trying to do. Because one of the surprise feedback I'm getting is people don't have any information about the health care we did a medical camp and we saw a woman with the sugars of 30 that she was a walking stroke and she didn't know and she was cool uh, and it's similar a lot of people need information about their health care so what is surprising is how uninformed people are and the people who are informed don't want to do anything about it because they can't afford it.
0: And how do you make money? How do you monetize this marketplace, this platform you're
1: building? We're making money from commissions on sales of pharma products and labs. We're making money on doctors who are being onboarded. Instead of, you know, doing their revenue share of them, they're paying us a license fee. People chatting with a doctor via text, so we charge them a subscription fee. So from a monetization point of view, I would say we're, we're in a good place. Is there a freemium model to your business at all? Well, there's a freemium model pure thing. The idea is that for every subscriber on SMS, we try to charge you 15 times in a month. And the remaining 15 times, if you don't have airtime, you're still able to chat with a doctor. So the idea is that because we we believe that healthcare is a fundamental human right, we need to be able to ensure that at some point you know, to the best of our ability, you have access to engage a doctor.
0: And the fintech player you uh, alluded to earlier, how big a part of your growth map is that?
1: That's what's going to take us to unicorn status, very important. Credit is what is driving the engine of fintech, ability to borrow. The fact that you can create an opportunity for, you know, millions of people to have access to some sort of credit gear towards their healthcare, and you have a way of recovering What you've given to them is very important. It's very critical.
0: If you had to sort of wipe your metrics dashboard clean and your team had to track one metric for your business because it says the most about, you know, what's worth monitoring from a growth perspective or progress you're making perspective, what would it be? Customer
1: satisfaction. It's healthcare. I would rather have 10 very satisfied customers than 10,000 dissatisfied customers. So it is customer satisfaction, product promise showing that the customers have value for their money.
0: So we're winding down and I have a question about your team. Anyone would be hard pressed to argue that you are not in a space that demands founders seeking solutions. And there's definitely a path to economic prosperity for, for anyone finding the space and having the wherewithal to succeed in the space. Why are you and your team the, the team to make this success happen?
1: I would say that We have great people, and we're still looking for fantastic people. It's important to point out that we, I'll be very frank, that we don't have all the people we need for this to live up to its potential. I have a fantastic co-founder, an incredible person, and um, there's a great alignment in terms of roles, in terms of expectations, and we are building out gradually a very strong team we have a fantastic advisory board made up of doctors and people in tech who understand what we're trying to do. Very experienced, uh, very well networked, who are helping us building, you know, this. So, resourcing is something we're actively working on. Even with our partners at the FFA, we are actively working on a strong, you know, resourcing strategy to ensure that that we have a team that can take us from where we are to where we should be based on the ideas we have.
0: An anecdote, please, if you don't mind, about the biggest obstacle Zuri Health has overcome since being founded. The kind of obstacle that if you hadn't solved for it, your business would literally would not be here anymore.
1: I think the one major thing is getting a co-founder that works. I think a lot of businesses fail because of co-founders who don't have chemistry or who are not aligned. I think having Daisy, younger, experienced in tech, extremely ambitious, driven, and, you know, most importantly, someone who wants to, you know, work together, collaboratively, and we are in agreement in our destination to where we're going to. We're in agreement in how we want to get there. The vehicle, so I'm not saying I'm taking a flight, she's saying no, I'm taking a bus and we are respectful of each other's strengths i think the foundation that alone is a great obstacle that we have cleared you know and and that is the reason why i would say we're having a fantastic trajectory and traction the fact that i found an incredible person as a co-founder
0: i really do appreciate you chatting with us and sharing as much as you did Thank you so much for being on the Factory Founder podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me and I appreciate that. Thank you.